Jen Mo, and welcome to Nurse Connect. I am an RN and a board-certified nurse coach. I believe that connecting with others is essential to living a happy and fulfilled life, and that sharing our stories not only helps us heal ourselves, but also helps others by inspiring hope and optimism. I'm so grateful to share stories of these incredible nurses on their journey, and I encourage you to find a way to share yours too. Thanks for listening in. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Jen Mall with Nurse Connect Podcast, and I've got Olga here with me today. Hi, Olga. Hi, Jen. <laughs> Happy to have you here. I would love for you to start by sharing um, a little bit about yourself. How did you become a nurse? What are you doing these days? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So how did I become a nurse? That's a great question. I never wanted to be a nurse. I was wanted to be a hairdresser, actually. Mm. And I became one. But my pivotal moment in my life, when I was 20 years old, I had to perform post-mortem um, care on my mom. And my 15-year-old sister was helping me with that mm. task. And I also um, organized her funeral every mm. detail, like, um, like everything. It was um, very traumatic, mm -hmm. but um, I didn't realize it at the time. I just went through all the motions and kind of grew up in that moment, really. Mm -hmm. um, I am from Minsk, Belarus, and mm -hmm. the life there is very different. And, and I can really say that I am very grateful for being in this country and raising my um, daughters here. Um, I went to nursing school and became a nurse in 2012. Mm. Um, I, after nursing school, I went to ICU, then ended up in PACU. And I'm still working in the hospital part-time as a charge nurse. And I do love my job because I have the privilege of taking care of nurses. Mm -hmm. And that just really... It, it, it is very fulfilling for me. I love nurses. They are my people. We're a different breed, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll touch on some other ways that you're helping uh, with coaching as well. But I'd love to back up a little bit. How yeah. did you go from that traumatic experience, performing postmortem care on your mom and planning her funeral and doing all those things to wanting to become a nurse? Yes, that's a great question, Jen. So after that experience, I I was having a lot of heaviness in my chest and a lot of resentment mm. because I felt a lot of emotions like I didn't do enough. Mm. I did not hold her hand enough. I wasn't there enough. And long list of how I was not enough and I really did not know how to support someone who was dying mm -hmm. how to really be be there for someone how to advocate for someone with doctors I didn't know any of that and I was a kid yeah. but for some reason that feeling of resentment sort of towards myself 
mm. stayed with me for a while. And I also really wanted to learn how to do all of those tasks oh. in hopes that it will prepare me if something like that to happen, mm. maybe. Uh, but I also really wanted to to care about the people when they go through similar experience. So I really didn't want anybody to feel that way. Yeah. Wow. And oh my goodness. And isn't it just interesting how we internalize those things as if we're responsible for them when you're a 20 year old taking care of your dying mom. And of course, nobody expects you to have that all figured out. Um, but we can't necessarily help those, those events in our lives and, and prevent the, us ourselves from internalizing that. Um, but kind of knowing a little bit about what you're working on now, how is that, how did those experiences in your life lead up to kind of the work you're doing now? Mm. Well, I think that for the, as long as I can remember myself, I always was very proud of being my worst critic mm. and having pretty negative self-talk. Um, and I think, I don't know if you can relate to that, but when I talk to nurses, they tell me that they do the same thing, like beating ourselves up over things that we can't even control. Mm -hmm. That's something that I did way before nursing. And when I went to nursing school, I was so excited to get in and I showed up on the first day. So just full of hope and light. Mm -hmm. And my husband was deployed at the time and I had two um, little kids at home. And the welcoming message was, look to your left, look to your right. Half of you not going to be here by the end of it. And don't even think about getting pregnant because if you miss some days of clinicals, um, you will have to reapply again. They took those very impressionable caregivers and we were not cared for. Mm -hmm. We were taught to set our feelings, emotions, and our family aside and just study. I think the language was used, say goodbye to your family for two years. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that was one of the lines that was used in the speech, um, which is... <laughs> Just, um, it's shocking right now to think about it, but that's how yeah. it used to be. And I do know that it's changing now. But nursing as a profession also, after the school, I went into ICU, mm -hmm. which I really wanted to be an ICU nurse. When I, my first day in ICU, I remember coming into a room, looking around and seeing the patient being attached to all these different mm -hmm. tubes. And the nurse said, let's give this patient a bed bath and change the bed. Yeah. And I stood there just like, what? Yeah. You're gonna do what? How, how do you even begin doing that? Yeah. <laughs> so I helped her and I had this sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. and it made me feel really good. And yeah. it was like, I looked at that nurse almost like I put her on the pedestal, like, Oh my gosh, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to take care of the sickest people and 
help them and their families. Yeah. But ICU life, it was, we didn't really take care of ourselves. It was not the culture. Right. And the culture was, again, set your needs aside. There was, um, because of high adrenaline, stressful environment, um, not frequently I would go to the bathroom or have a snack or mm -hmm. have time to breathe. Um, Post-mortem care became a routine thing. It became daily thing. Um, if I wasn't um, taking like performing post-mortem care on my patient, I would be helping somebody else with theirs. And we never even talked about it. Mm -hmm. There was no like debriefing or canceling or even acknowledging our feelings. Mm -hmm. We had to be tough. But coming home after a 12-hour or 13-hour shift with the commute, um, you come home hungry, just uh, dehydrated, and mm -hmm. then try to shove some food into your mouth, drink lots of water, and go to bed, and then you have another Do it all over the next day. <laughs> another day like that. And yes, you work in three, four shifts a week, but the night... The first day off, you literally, you can't move yeah. because you're so exhausted. Mm -hmm. So over time, I was in ICU for two years. And then after a military move, I ended up in PACU, mm. which was universe did this to help me. I did not want to leave ICU. <laughs> I still thought that I loved it. But I ended up in PACU, which is level one trauma center, and we had pretty sick um, patients, mm -hmm. so lots of opportunities for helping people. Yeah. And I loved PACU, but I still, I still would just not take care of myself. Mm. I would gain weight, then try to lose it, then gain it again. Lose it again. I was on this roller coaster all the time of losing 20 pounds, finding 20 pounds, and I couldn't mm -hmm. figure it out like what was wrong. And something that is like a corner habit, habit, like habit that really I realized that it was mm -hmm. keeping me stuck was drinking wine mm -hmm. in the evening. Um, wasn't anything crazy, but I had wine uh, during dinner and glass after. Mm -hmm. And at some point during pandemic, it became like a daily thing. Mm -hmm. It was like a ritual. Yeah. Um, it, I used it to sort of stop my thoughts. And it almost was like a ritual, like I'm done for the day. Now I don't mm -hmm. have anything. I'll just have this glass of wine and relax. And then I would have another, but I was always very highly functional. Mm -hmm. I never called in to work or anything like that. But over time, I realized that the reason I'm so stuck is because of that habit. Uh. Yeah, it's a, it was a very interesting discovery. And then I also discovered when I tried to stop drinking that wine, 
it was very difficult habit to break mm-hmm. because it's literally everywhere mm-hmm. and it's also an expectation that you're gonna participate yeah. and when you don't it's almost weird it is <laughs> yes <laughs> so it was a journey to stop but one day i just decided that we came back from vacation in mm-hmm. Mexico. We went for all-inclusive vacation and uh, with the family. And I came back. I just felt exhausted mm. from all the wine drinking at the pool, at the beach. And I came home and I'm just like, oh, done. I need to do something different. I don't want yeah. to do this anymore. And I took a break two years ago for 30 days mm-hmm. and then I continued 30 days at the time I would just add 30 days and now I have been alcohol free for over two years I don't count any days or anything it's just yeah. after about six months I went I loved my life I loved the way I felt and I just wanted to go indefinitely. I didn't want this to control me in any way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually how we connected because I'd been exploring the same journey, like trying to lose weight, not feeling great. It's like, you know, I don't have a problem per se, but I also don't love not feeling great in the morning, not sleeping well, not just kind of feeling a little off and not be able to get those last, that last bit of weight off that I'm trying. And so I saw you had a challenge that popped up for um, like a dry August. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. And um, it was, it was an interesting experiment. And I've always been super careful about not drinking too much. Uh, and my dad was an alcoholic. And um, so that was very challenging growing up. And so I I was never a drinker when I'm upset um, or anxious. I was always super careful about that, but it was those little, like almost daily things that would pop up of like, Oh, it's just, just to relax or it's just a habit or when I go out to dinner and then that just starts to add up, like you said. And um, so it was a, it was an interesting experiment for sure. And I loved all the little tidbits you provided along the way of things that pop up mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Um, so that, do you want to talk a little bit more about what you, the work you're doing with that? Yes. Thank you so much for asking me. I, I absolutely love that we connected and that I planted some seeds, maybe. Yeah, yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, because I never questioned wine because it's so promoted everywhere. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's good for you, right? It's good for you. It's good for your vascular <laughs> health. You know, it um, has antioxidants. And I was drinking red wine, so I thought I did a good job. You know, I was sophisticated. Um, and I read a lot of books um, about just alcohol use and what happens in the body. As a nurse, I understand mm-hmm. what happens in the body. But I wanted more. I wanted mm-hmm. to understand my brain, like why, like I said, I don't want to use it anymore, but then I would be pulled back into it. Yeah. Why is it so hard? <laughs> and then I learned so much. And one of the things that I've learned, we are very tribal mm-hmm. and we almost like we want to match and mirror each other, like yeah. a type of thing. And 
And it's fun because alcohol industry, the marketing of alcohol is very interesting because it's um, it made us to participate in their marketing campaigns. Oh. Do you know, we share things like coffee o'clock, wine o'clock, it's five o'clock somewhere else, and, you know, mom juice and yeah. all stuff. There's just been so much. Alcohol made its way in every event in our life. Like, imagine planning a wedding or a birthday party or barbecue or camping trip without any alcohol. Right. That would be almost, like, unheard of. And for me, it used to be mm-hmm. on vacations. Like, so I really, I just really believe after everything I've learned that I just want to really honor myself mm-hmm. and heal all the damage that stress, trauma, um, not eating properly, and choosing to drink wine um, in the evening to distress, all of that, I just want to heal myself. And I want to invite other people to kind of question that habit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I I think like you said, planting seeds and questioning it, like that's what's really, um, I think been eye-opening for me. It's like, well, why do I feel like I need to have a drink? Mm-hmm. you know like what what is underlying of that but of course I'm on a I'm on a journey of of self-improvement and healing and everything so I'm used to questioning that and being curious mm-hmm. um for somebody that is that's scary that that's scary to think about not having um the alcohol to kind of dull what's going on underneath what suggestions do you have for somebody that's kind of maybe curious, but very skeptical or maybe even scared as well to think about what this this potential journey could look like for them. Yeah, I think the first thing is to see like, to really examine like, how much are, are you drinking? How mm. often are you drinking? And how do you really feel after you drink in it? Is it really fun? Because when I started learning about alcohol, how like after the first glass, second glass, what happens inside the body, what mm. happens to the senses. It's um like if you've noticed people speak louder when they drink because their hearing is going down, then your sight gets blurry, your speech mm-hmm. gets mm-hmm. blurry. And when you get up to go to the bathroom, your balance is... Yeah. When you start noticing all that stuff and you look at people like, just do an experiment. Go to the bar or out to dinner and have a mocktail and watch people as they're drinking and try having a really like meaningful conversation with someone after a couple of drinks. And that's for me was very... um, I want to say sober, in fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no pun out. intended. <laughs> yes, I went out to a birthday party at the bar, and then I got a couple of mocktails that looked like a real, mm-hmm. you know, alcoholic beverage, and I just didn't want to share what I was doing because sure. I wasn't 
everyone to relax and have a good time. Yeah. And um, and as I was watching all the transformations that were happening with my friends, it kind of it was interesting. Mm. Even the eyes of a person who is had a drink or two, they kind of have like a glossy oh yeah appearance, like they're not yeah. really there. Yeah, interesting. And when I had that experience, I would, and then I drove home from the bar, just super proud of myself. I yeah. didn't have to just have one drink and then have another drink at home. Right. Didn't drink at all. And I can drive anytime, anywhere. And the thought of like my child having appendicitis or something at 10, yeah. and me not being able to go to the hospital, drive. Yeah. Like those type of thoughts would come up sometimes for me. And mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. You know, something you mentioned about being with others and having a mocktail and not just not wanting to talk about it. That yeah. was something that came up for me when I was doing the experiment because I'm a, I'm a recovering people pleaser, but that those, those are, those are deep roots. Right. And so I didn't want to make others feel uncomfortable because I wasn't drinking and I didn't necessarily want to have the, that, that why behind it. I, I just, we were out for trivia. I just want to have a good time, but I felt like I was making a bigger deal out of it probably than they were, but I was, so I would order like a non-alcoholic beer and I hope nobody notices it's not a non-alcoholic fear. And it, so it, I realized that I was a lot more in my head about it than other people probably didn't even really care. But I found that that, that was really interesting. Um, I don't know if revelation is the right word, but discovery mm-hmm. about myself is that I was so worried about what other people might think about my choice. Uh, the, the, it almost made me want to just get a drink so that I didn't have to like deal with that. So that was interesting. <laughs> yes, Jen, I, I hear you. I can definitely <laughs> relate to that because alcohol is the only drug that you have to explain why you're not taking. Mm. Yeah, interesting. And anytime I would say something like, I don't drink alcohol, like I just choose not to. Yeah. Um people would volunteer information how much they are drinking yeah um, and tell me a whole story the thing is I never asked yeah (laughs) and they feel very uncomfortable yeah it's um it is very socially acceptable but is it what you want that's the question and when I started my whole journey of just healing journey. I wanted to heal that, you know, the trauma from, you know, my mom, from other experiences, and then the nursing. Mm -hmm. I just, when I learned that alcohol actually releases cortisol, like alcohol use releases cortisol in your body to counteract some effects because alcohol is a stimulant and depressant, right? Interesting um, chemical, and because when we take it in, it hits your dopamine center. Mm-hmm. And it feels that relief feeling. Stop thinking, and you feel kind of like you relax. Yes. But then after about 20, 30 minutes, 
your body counteracts the effects by releasing some depressant um, chemicals, hormones that brings you down. Mm. And then it's just as you have in the second drink, then um, those depressive effects, then your cortisol and adrenaline is being released as well. But really my biggest revelation from all the research that I've done was when I'm having a nice meal and I'm thinking I'm doing such a good job, I'm eating this beautiful salad and I'm going to treat myself so well, but then I'm having a glass of wine with it. As soon as my body, my liver senses that there's alcohol is present in my body, liver stops doing everything that liver does. Your digestion, your immune system, all of the things, okay? And just focusing on detoxing. Wow. And while that food is going through, it's not being properly digested or absorbed. Mm -hmm. And to make it worse, it takes vitamins out of my body to process the alcohol, like my B vitamins. And it also causes hypoglycemia, which is have a low blood sugar. And that's why when we drink, we feel so snacky. And we oh, yeah. Because our blood sugar is low because the food that we're eating is not being digested properly. Because the food is preoccupied. And then we eat, eat, eat. In mm-hmm. the morning, wake up, we're hungry. Mm-hmm. Because it's still being... For greasy, salty foods. <laughs> and the alcohol stays in the body for like 72 hours. Wow. Up to. And imagine all of the vitamins it's pulling out of my body and not processing everything I'm eating. So just when I learned that, I had to listen to the audiobook a couple of times. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, which book was this? This was um, This Naked Mind. This Naked Mind? Yes. Okay, interesting. Amy Grace. Okay. I've read few of them, few different books, I think, um, of different uh, authors. And mm-hmm. it's very interesting. And also, there's research that came out, and the World Health Organization released a statement that no alcohol, no amount of alcohol is safe. Hmm. Any amount is raising our um, chance for getting cancer. For women, especially, it's breast cancer, colorectal cancer. Um, and it just blows my mind, you know? Yeah. It is an anesthetic as well and um, kind of burns everything a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Depends on what you're drinking, to what extent it's burning, but it does. So between the cortisol being released into my body and vitamins being depleted and my digestive system not working and it's killing my brain cells because alcohol freely crosses the blood blood brain and it's just all of that information i just could not unlearn that and i'm curious and i wanted to know more Mm -hmm. and yeah that's so fascinating. I always love the pathophysiology stuff. And so this is mostly a nurse audience that we definitely have non-nurses too. So you did a great job, I think, of explaining it, kind of breaking it down in layman's terms too, which I think is super helpful because even though I'm a nurse, you know, and I know 
the whole liver process and mm-hmm. by digestion, but you did a really great job of like, I don't know, making it make a little more sense. So that, mm-hmm. that was super helpful. Um, so I'm curious, so over the last two years, you've been alcohol free. What changes have you seen for yourself? Oh, well, first of all, clear mind. It's, um, I am less forgetful. Mm. I can feel and think really clearly. I have been learning so much and I am eating really mindfully, mm. which was um, very different for me. I really take care of myself and really focusing on loving myself. And because I love and accept myself, mm-hmm. there's still a lot more work to be done, obviously. But I'm on my way and I every relationship in my life has changed. Changed mm. for the better. Okay. Everyone. Because I am here. I am present at all times. Yeah. Like my kids don't have to see the mommy with glossy eyes in the end of the day or with purple teeth mm-hmm. because of the antioxidant rich um, red wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just uh, I wake up early, I have an amazing morning routine and I just, um, I want to show love to everyone who is around me. Yeah. I want them to feel that they are enough. And all of that being your worst critic, all of that stuff is just heartbreaking. You know, like, I think we both agree that physical and emotional abuse is gone. Yeah. But that voice in our head that negative self-talk the critic saying like oh i can't believe i was so whatever all of that you know it's just or binging of food and drinking alcohol all of that it's like physical emotional abuse yeah for ourselves and it really is a vicious cycle uh because you know maybe you're you're trying to eat better or trying to lose you know, lose weight and exercise, and then you, you know, screw up. And then we beat ourselves up by, you know, drinking more, eating more, stopping our exercise program, whatever it is. And we just, it's so hard to break out of that cycle. And it, it begins up here in our heads. And it can be really, really difficult to, um, you know, ignore or, because it's like, you know, we don't want to keep shoving it down. Mm-hmm. So we, it's like we, we can acknowledge that we've got those thoughts, but then trying to learn how to release it and not believe it. That's it, so hard. Yeah. I really more um, just in tune with my body. Mm-hmm. I don't put my needs aside anymore. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to imagine, right? Because as nurses, that's just kind of our default as we talked about. And I encourage every nurse around me because my biggest mission is really to take care of nurses. Mm -hmm. When I go to work, my intention is to be, I want to take care of them. And I want to make sure that they are going to the bathroom when they need to. Yes. 
and they are having snack and interfere, you know, whenever there's some um, situation happening between the nurse and the patient, maybe it wasn't the best match um, and try to make a difference yeah. with them. But I also have been um, working as a nurse coach. I've been working with um, primarily women, mm -hmm. but I would work with men as well, um, helping them really if anyone is questioning their relationship with alcohol and they're curious, mm -hmm. like, what's possible for me? Let me learn more and kind of how can I start my own transformation? Yeah. If you need that jump start, um, I love doing that. I love helping people discover the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, we're getting close to wrapping up here and you've done such a great job again of just kind of explaining the why behind things and giving some really tangible tips, but I want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything else on your heart that you'd love to share with, with uh, our team today? I think my biggest advice, if you're looking for any advice is how, how to stop the negative talk mm. is to really start listening to your thoughts, listening to your words. And when you hear yourself not being loving and accepting to yourself, mm -hmm. stop for a second and become curious. Like, hmm, I just said that? Or I just mm -hmm. was thinking that? Hmm, how can I rephrase it? Yeah. How can I show myself some love? Yeah. Some people think that that negative self-talk and the critic will sort of motivate them mm. or push them <laughs> to perform. Um, no, it's not. It's uh, it's one of the biggest um, lies, I think, that, yeah. we were that we were sold. It's like if you have a kid and you're always yelling at the kid and right. think that they're doing is wrong. Like... How is that helpful? How is that motivating? Right, right. The young cheerleader. Yeah, and I think especially as nurses, right? We we care for everybody else, mm -hmm. um, always first, right? That's our that's our default setting, and we would never ever say the things to other people that are popping in our head and just because we have that thought doesn't mean it's true and we do have the power to change that thought and in, into an action and so I love your message of just you know give that that grace to yourself that you would absolutely give to somebody else yes and celebrate yourself yeah everything that you do in life you got up on time Good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you brushed your teeth. What an accomplishment! Okay, Just go go pee during your shift. Drink your cup of water and take your break yes. when it was offered. <laughs> Those yes. are all kudos. Yes, what a good girl. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> grow your confidence with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's those little things. Yes. Good. But please oh. reach out to me if you want to just chat. Because I do offer pro bono completely free. No pressure, nothing. I'm not going to sell you anything. I, I love it. Give you space to talk about alcohol. It's yeah. difficult to find space where you can talk about it 
yeah setting yeah yeah and I think we talked about this off off camera about Mm -hmm. Uh, the stigma associated well with alcohol in general right like it's both totally socially acceptable and yet not uh, in some ways but especially as nurses a lot of us you know indulge uh, enjoy I I mean not necessarily that it's a bad thing but we've talked about some of the challenges that have come along with that and and yeah. And like, and if you're curious, like you said, just reach out to Olga and you had a 30 day challenge. I don't know if you're planning to offer that again, but I think that was a great way to just get curious, try it out, see how it goes, what comes up for you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Olga. It's been a wonderful conversation, super informative and um, just really enjoyed speaking with you today. Oh, thank you so much, Jen. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye guys. Mm-hmm.